2: what's going on fpl managers welcome to another stream from fantasy football scout three game weeks in nine days i'm knackered so uh nice to have a week ahead where we can think about fpl a little bit more slowly and i'm joined by fpl sonaldo otherwise known as andy to digest the main talking points for game week 16 how are you buddy
1: uh very good ted uh good to be on for the second week in in a row um it was a wild saturday for a great saturday for me and then a painful
2: sunday but uh here we are already making plans for game week 16 so let's do it absolutely i mean at the moment we've both got green arrows so that's the main thing but it was a completely the opposite for me i had a terrible terrible saturday <laughs> and a good sunday so and i said it's averaged out for both of us to be in green arrows so there we go but yeah we've lots to discuss today the mean the main topics will be uh digesting United with their really good run of fixtures who are the best players to bring in uh, do we want to bring any in at all uh, that's the main uh, question as well and we'll all be, also be looking at uh midfielders uh mid mid price midfielders uh more specifically the city mids as well Jared Bowen all of that good stuff and maybe just digesting like whether Son has actually been that good uh having a look at maybe some some Sterlings that sort of stuff, that sort of thing so maybe midfielders under 11 million is the best way to think about it but lots to get through so may as well start with Andy how you got on in game week 15 so let's move straight to your team 48 points 442 talk us through it
1: uh yeah he, um you know I I brought in Bowen this week um and I know a lot of people were planning to bringing in uh game week 16 so I'm not going to take too much credit here um, the reason I brought in Bowen was, uh, was simple. It was long-term strategy. I always wanted Bowen from game week 16. Uh, he was showing signs and, uh, in many ways I was lucky that he, uh, he was able to produce against a tough Chelsea side. Um, but looking at long-term, I could have made some other moves to look short-term, but if I brought in Bowen now, then it allows me to use the free, two free transfers to you know even plan further ahead and i do believe there is a new template coming up very soon i feel like there's a lot of question marks with a lot of different types of players um so i feel like you know i'm in a strong position to keep moving forward
2: mm. i was so happy for you with that Bowen pick on saturday i was wallowing in my own pity but for you i was like yes <laughs> yes andy that bowing pick was amazing yeah Ted, so, when um... i saw
1: your um when i saw your tweet um shouting me out as well as uh, Bruno's Fred uh, shout out there um, you know it, it made my day so appreciate it
2: no that's no problem at all it's always nice when you bring in a pick for a good run of fixtures a little bit early and play and you yeah. had the courage to play him in that Chelsea game you could have easily played Livermento over him so
1: yeah for sure th-
2: that mm. 50-50 decision went your way and uh what a what a decision it was so i'm I'm happy for you so gundawan also uh returned for you um salah alexander arnold but yeah mr harry kane mr frustration himself i'm um mm. i'm sure that he's going to be a part of your transfer plans uh at the end of this video right
1: yeah I, if i can quickly speak on it um a lot of people on twitter are telling me like oh sonaldo why don't you have son?" and i want to i want to clear it up right here okay so uh, again in game week eight i had the wild card i had son the COVID scared uh COVID positive fake positive test or false positive test made me move off him so i got kane or i i got lukaku and werner that week and naturally i moved to kane and i just haven't had the right time to you know restructure everything and and get some back in and it, it really really hurt because uh last season i had son basically the entire season and you know football comes before fpl for me but um to see him score and me feel a little bit of like oh man it as a fan it was a little bit disappointing on my part as well because maybe this fpl game is consuming me too much um whereas uh i'm always going to be Sonny's fan before fpl so yeah so uh, it's for the guys who have son i'm very excited for you guys i think he's going to be amazing and for me he's a keep I, you know he's performing he's in form this is what he does right he's so consistent uh and he, i i believe he's going to keep delivering so if i was a sun owner i would be in no rush to sell
2: mm. interesting we're going to have opposing views on this video on that so um yeah we're interested to talk about that uh in the in the coming few minutes but um yeah so talking about covid you said uh with with sonny you've got um ivan tony who was who tested positive for covid and uh, i'm sure that he's he's pretty prevalent in a lot of fpl teams so a lot of bench, first benches coming in for Tony. You've got Rimento, uh, which is, you know, two points. So annoying, so frustrating that he lost his clean sheet in the 90 8th minute or whatever it was in such weird circumstances with McCarthy injured and uh, didn't tell Hassan that he needed to come off. And uh, it was yeah. almost like a free goal. So very, very frustrating for, for Livramento to... Uh, players and um, I mean like starters and uh, first benches so uh, it it is what it is but you get your two points um, and you got Ramsdale to play tonight oh uh, yeah uh,
1: you know I'm expecting a Ramsdale 20 pointer so no less than 20 <laughs> points uh, no just kidding but yeah I, I think the the Tony thing was super unfortunate I mean it's so funny because on Saturday I was kind of smiling that Livermento <laughs> got uh, his clean sheet taken away. And then when Tony COVID news hit and he was first on my bench, Livermento, uh the pain, the, the pain came later. So uh fun game
2: this is. This is this is like we had like the mirror image game weeks because I actually <laughs> uh, we'll go to my team in a minute. I start I started Livermento and got lucky with Antonio coming off my bench. Mm. So the pain of losing that last minute livermento clean sheet. And then the, the smugness when I know that Antonio's points were getting off my bench, so fairly fortunate. But yeah, we'll come to your transfer plans at the end of the video. You've got two free transfers to spend, uh, same <laughs> as me. Um, we'll come to my team now, and um, yeah, this weird formation five for one. Started Liveramento ahead of Antonio, and um, got, got lucky, I suppose, with with Tony uh, not not starting. Obviously, he was he was COVID and then antonio is going to come on for me for five points so that livramento last minute clean sheet wipeout was was um vindicated <laughs> to some extent so yeah but i mean it's the midfield that's been carrying my team in the last few weeks um jota i cannot believe that he did not score in that game did you see that that miss that um non-goalie miss
1: yeah i think uh, you know i didn't react to it because uh i've dealt with this jota uh disappointment pr- uh, previously so it's funny like i think we're kind of used to it in some ways but oh my goodness like literally just just you know pass it to the side of the net <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're right there
2: you know <laughs> hey, what he did um, well, he, he just he just uh, saw the two defenders in the goal yeah he didn't even look at the goal just looked yeah. at the ball and just i'm gonna put my laces through this all
1: right, Ted, I have a question. If you were in Jota's shoes in that pressure scenario not pressure, but in that Premier League scenario and you had a shot, do you think you would have scored?
2: I would have hoped so. Um, but I mean oh, it's very okay. it's very, it's very difficult to say because yeah. as you say, the pressure of that situation might get to you, but they're Premier League footballers at the end of the day, you know, they've <laughs> I just say it was a bad miss. Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm definitely not a good as footballer as Jota. Uh, yeah. To a certain, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's an interesting one, but um yeah, I, I think he was pretty embarrassed after it, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. regardless, Jota is an excellent pick. like His stats are just insane because he just, well, we'll come to some stats for Jota later because we're going to be looking at mid-price midfielders anyway. So he he's an astounding pick. If you don't have him, I mean, yeah, de- definitely get him in. These these Liverpool lads, their effective ownerships are so high that if you don't have any of them, it's it's like pretty scary but did that,
1: that did the jota miss even affect us because his ownership's so high I, I don't even know his effective ownership at this point but
2: he, he's about 90 percent. so okay. it, it would have given us a little bit of a boost but not not that much but he's just okay. so well owned so well uh but yeah the big one for me was was sonny absolute so good so happy with him and rafinha rafinha is just such a talent i i mean i watched that game and um he, he was on for three bonus for yeah. before before he got booked and he all he had was an assist. He's one of those players, as long as he gets a attacking return, he's just so good. Everything he does yep. touches to gold, not necessarily in the goal and assist sense, but the ball comes to him and he's like just dribbling it past players. I'm not sure he put a foot wrong in that game apart from the yellow card. So obviously, very happy to have his couple of returns in the last few weeks. Obviously, lucky with the penalty, but um, yeah, he's he's going straight to my first bench for the next four weeks, which is a bit upsetting. But you know, here it is, what it is. But yes, uh, a green arrow from sort of fifty fifty-eight k up to forty-five k with Ramsdale still to play is uh, is a great result. I said it on Deadline Stream, Andy, that I, w- I would I'd be happy with a grey arrow this week, and um, yeah, that same still here. stands. So yeah happy with a green nonetheless and we can focus on our transfers for the coming weeks but uh without further ado let's move on to the main topic topping there main talking points and we'll start with the fixtures uh top of the ticker and we can see man united a sea of green fixtures uh and west ham i mean only arsenal um Separates Man United in their fixture difficulty, and arguably Arsenal is a pretty accessible fixture as well. So, seems like we should be targeting these teams, right, Andy?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, as expected, United, City, and and West Ham, top of the ticker. Um, again, beautiful graph here, Ted. Uh, appreciate your hard work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, nothing, no, no surprises. I think we knew this for a couple of weeks, and uh, again, game week sixteen is going to be. Where the template breaks, in my opinion, um, slowly um, and new assets starts to emerge, and and there's multiple ways to go about, uh, you know, multiple roads to take from here on out. So, very exciting times.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So uh, a lot of a lot of talking points. We're, we're going to focus on Man United up next. Um, we're going to do those in a bit of depth because we kind of need to have a Man United asset. I, I mean, those fixtures probably say you do need one, but. Obviously you could take the prudent approach and wait out what you see from Ranjik in the next couple of weeks, but that Norwich fixture is just so appealing. It seems like we need someone in our team. Um, So we'll look at Man United in depth. Uh, West Ham, Antonio, patient Antonio owners will um, obviously have him for the next run of fixtures. And uh, Bowen seems to be the one to supplement Antonio with. I mean, you've, you've got him this week. I'm very tempted to bring Bowen in this week as well. Um, so those are the key ones from Man United and West Ham. But we've also got which Man City mid to have, um, if any. Uh, they've got a good run of fixtures. Watford, Josh King versus Dennis. Another really good run of fixtures. I mean, you could even have them have them as a first bench option. Uh, and, t- uh, sorry, Arsenal. Smith Rowe seems to be the one to have at Arsenal. A really good value providing there. Um, Tony, if you're going to keep on Tony, he's got a good run of four. Uh sorry, we're excluding Man United. Um Birdley, not too worried there, and then Chelsea. We've got Alonso, Rudiger, Reese James owners that will take some comfort from this this good <laughs> run, good run of fixtures. So that's top of the ticker. Plenty of teams, plenty of players that we already have in our teams that are about to get a fixture bounce. So encouraging. And uh, yeah, it's really a question of well, wow, which which area of those fixtures to target with your transfers yeah. in Game Week 16. so i've got a tweet here um let's move on to it uh from mish and uh he's praising you andy about your mm-hmm. excellent man united analysis earlier in the week um am i right in saying that you were sort of predicting Ranick's strategy and um it came true at the weekend i mean i think you know
1: first of all mish i really appreciate this um so i was on scoutcast last week and you know, I don't, I don't want to say I predicted it. Right. Because a lot of people already know about Rangrick's uh, you know, formation style of play this and that. Right. But I just gave kind of an overview of what I thought might happen. Um, for me, Ryan all about transition play, o- obviously pressing is very important. Um, and I gave a prime example of what this means is on the defensive transition, for example, when you have a four back defense in, in a team like Burnley, for example, um, you're, since your six guys in the middle are so crunched together and moving like a unit, the wingbacks have all the freedom in the world to move up and down the flank. So everybody has to be super fit, first of all. And let's say United's attacking, and your two wingbacks are pushed all the way forward. What happens is they pin the fullbacks of the other team, and then your two strikers in Rashford and Ronaldo at this time will pin the center backs as well. So how does Burnley, you know, get out of that position? There's only two ways. You play the long ball or you play it to the center, or you kind of like, you know, build up through the middle. And that's where I predicted that Bruno's influence and possibly Sancho's influence would be, uh, significant. And I think we saw some moments like that throughout this game. So again, I didn't really predict much, but I did think that four, two, two, two would be, uh, the likely formation. I do think that when, uh, AWB is an option. They can move back to the three back. I I do, I do think Rangnick's going to play that style once in a while. Um so there's a lot of questions here, but the genesis or the essence of what I was saying was Rangnick's philosophy comes before everything else. His tactics, his strategy, you know, blah blah blah, it's all uh revolved around um his philosophy, which is press and transition. Mm.
2: Yeah. No, it's really good. I I Honestly, I didn't have a clue about how um, how he would set up. But I was watching that game and, and they did look very solid. And mm-hmm. I think solid is the word. They, they were continually knocking on that door for a goal, but it just didn't quite work until Fred obviously put it in uh, from the edge of the box with an excellent strike. But it just showed you're playing with more intent, with more... Um, more str- strategical play that Ranick is clearly only with one day of training instilled in them already so it'd be interesting to see what he can do with a week's worth of training against a poor norwich side and we might see more evidence of your of your strategy um let's just move on and look at the uh we're not moving on from man united i've just got a man united chart here which just shows all the man united players that you might want to consider uh, i think i've excluded people like wan Bissaka and lindelof whose attacking stats were just even worse than the players in the bottom left so but the interesting thing for me was Alex Tellez came in and um, uh, Dallow came in. And so Shaw and Wambasaka midway. Are we going to see Dallow and Tellez being the first choice left back and right back uh, in this Man United team? Uh, is, is, what's the reason for Ranick favoring those two? I mean, uh, I think it was an interview where he said, "I you know, So first
1: of all, a shout out to Carrick, right? Because I think Carrick did a great job of helping this, you know, two game transition period. And, uh, in the interview, I think prior previous to the game, Rangrik said something about like, why would I change the team when I've had like two days of training and and they won, right? The team won. So, uh, you know, that's a reassuring thing for the starters. However, Luke Shaw is a great asset and he's a great player and could fit tremendously well into Rangrik's system. And again, if they move to a three back aw might be an option and we might see guys like maybe Sancho um, you know Greenwood lingard uh, play on the right uh, as like that wing back role. So still you know there's no set answers here, I think that I have one player that i'm keen on getting and the rest is still up for grabs so i'll keep that for a little bit later, Um, but. Uh, I don't think nobody's nailed right now. Um, there's been one game, two training sessions. Maybe it's their spot to lose, um, but just keep just be flexible. I, I don't think you need to decide right now.
2: yeah, and this might be people's reticence about getting a Man United player immediately because we don't know how the evolution of that side is going to uh, continue in the next few weeks and and prudent managers might want to refrain from from bringing one in until they knew know the full um, evidence. so yeah. I mean we've we've got this chart here obviously Ronaldo is is killing it compared to his teammates. Um we might want to consider Rashford, we might want to consider Greenwood or Sancho in the future. Maybe even Fernandes. Uh there's there's a problem with Greenwood obviously his minutes probably will be managed. Um he might not be that preferred option because he doesn't tend to press. I remember you saying in the dead, deadline stream um Fernandes is is an expensive asset that isn't on penalties and has less and less goal threat as the time goes by so it's kind of between Sancho and rashford for me as that maybe second player but i really don't know which one to get and i'm only going to start with ronaldo potentially if i bring him in so yeah. does that sort of echo your thoughts on on the money night squad? uh
1: yeah i think uh i think Sancho and rashford should definitely be uh open options um and yes, the guy I'm looking at is none other than CR seven. Um, I think he's going to be a great option. Um, and I'll try to explain why, but first, um, if you don't mind, i am going to speak on what, uh, FPL, Bruno, um, you know, who's a kind of a United specialist and, and loves United, uh, gave me and, uh, you know, he was saying a lot of the things that I was thinking, um, four, two, 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 similar to Man City under Mancini, um, you know, Rafa at Leipzig two Roman attacking mids target man, um, you know, striker stretching the play, running behind, you know, Bruno was drifting to the right a lot, um, which left, uh, Dallo to oc- occupy the space and, uh, AWB is a great defender, but is not a great attacker. So, uh, I think that he's going to struggle to take this spot from Dalo. right? On the eye test, Ronaldo looked like the best asset to own. He was a lot more involved in the previous game. Um, with his usual five shots What impressed me the most was in the last minute he was making sprints so he's pressing really well right um so again bruno says that bruno is not an option for him because (laughs) uh because sadly he's overpriced and yeah he did come out with the highest xgi and uh you know 0.35 xa so really good stats here and there three shots one in the box two chances created but i think he's overpriced as well um so your thoughts there
2: yeah it's an interesting one obviously we don't know how Fernandez will play in the new system because in the previous weeks he's definitely played a little bit deeper and that goal threat has massively decreased. That, I mean the, the the assist threat has massive is, is contained. Like he, he he's continues to be a, an assist threat, but the goal threat massively dropped off. And it was only against Palace that he started having a few more shots and obviously got his goal. So definitely want to monitor. But I agree with you, he is overpriced compared to the likes of Ronaldo, who is probably worth his money uh maybe is a little bit expensive but for the main attacking asset at man united i think ronaldo is probably more worth the money than fernandez is but time will tell yep yep
1: um yeah so if you don't mind i'm gonna try to get into it a little bit uh maybe a couple minutes to try to reason why i think ronaldo might be the asset and
2: so before you, that, before you do that, before do that, I've got a graphic on Ronaldo and then we can do a deep dive. So let's Sounds move good. to him. So this is basically uh, the timeline of Ronaldo. We've got his, uh, his previous 10 fixtures um, all the way back to game week six. And at the bottom, we've got his uh, attacking stats, how they have developed over that 10 game week period and then above that we've got his goals goals and assists output so you can see that beforehand when he basically when he came into the premier league in game week six his the, the little red line there is the the xgi per 90 rolling average and that's on the last four game weeks basis you nice. can see that was super high and now it mm. took a dive uh from game week eight game week nine game week 10 but you can see since then it has upticked and this is this is excluding penalties as well so that So that game week 14 penalty is not affecting that rise in the XGI. But this is incredibly encouraging uh, ahead of a really good fixture run because that's only likely to increase against weaker opposition. And you can see that Man United um, had some pretty tough opposition in the last sort of six, seven, eight game weeks with Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea uh, amongst the fixtures. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's in form theoretically. You know, a goal and assist against Spurs assist against Watford and two goals against Arsenal that's all in the last six game weeks so encouraging I think
1: yeah yeah beautiful chart here yeah definitely encouraging I think uh you know besides all these stats too like you can see the the hunger and the the motivation as well in in Ronaldo and um the fact that he was running so much is is a good sign when um you know one of the best players of all time is is running like that um it's it's very promising what I'm seeing Mm
2: yeah fingers crossed so you wanted to do a deep dive on on ronaldo do, do you yeah. want to use this this time as the opportunity to do that yeah i can try uh
1: so i have some notes down i i may have to try to read through it and try to kind of put it together on the spot but um you know first of all I, I thought i thought what stood out was the the clear plan and the balance that Rangnick tried tried to show under ollie like there was there was no balance right and there was no clear plan it was like all over the place but you know to summarize it was a clear plan that's balanced whether it's left right left side right side attacking it seemed balanced and there was a lot of interchangeable pieces um throughout the united squad and i'll try to explain what i mean here um so the six players in the middle like have to play as a unit so they're moving well very together very well pressing really well and a cool stat that i found out was that when Crystal Palace and United both lost the ball, they would most of the times they lost it on the Crystal Palace side. So first of all, that tells you just how, you know, how much pressing they're doing. And Ryan basically saying like, Hey, if you're going to lose the ball, just lose it at their, you know, at their end. So it's a clear plan that they're pressing and, and transitioning. The main points were they're transitioning really, really fast. That was beautiful to see, you know, something that we haven't seen in a while. You know, the buildup was great. Um, And there was a lot of 1v1 uh you know extremely fast man marking as well on the defense so that was nice to see um so yeah so from a non-statistical point of view one of the things about ronaldo is he has an untouchable mental attitude and mental strength when he wants to be and you could see the fire and motivation and i think that people were afraid of Ronaldo's, you know, pressing. Can he actually run? And at this age of 36 that he's running this much is first of all, credit to him. Right. And second of all, I think what Ryan going to do is try to maybe use the players behind him and rotate them even more and and make them run even more to cater to Ronaldo. When you have a guy like Ronaldo, you want to maximize his skill, skill level and, and talent, right?
2: i think like sorry to chip in um Mm -hmm. with with this new manager bounce that everyone talks about the main thing that comes from that is the desire to play for your manager to put Mm. that extra mile in to go the extra mile i should say so that pressing from ronaldo is his basically his interpret in his interpretation and his contribution to go that extra mile which he probably wouldn't necessarily do so mm-hmm. I would like for that to continue. I would be interested to see if that drops away or if Ranik is, you know, so keen and to sustain this level of pressing and whether that takes a toll on Ronaldo's fitness. But I, I don't know. I would, I would like to monitor that to see whether that element of his game drops away as time goes by. But yeah, sorry, go
1: on. No, for sure. I think uh, nobody knows the answer, to be honest. Um, I, I'm just... I'm just excited at what I'm seeing and uh, what I meant by the interchangeable pieces in a very systematic and balanced approach is the key players for me were were Bruno and the wingbacks, right? So uh, what you saw uh, under Oli is Bruno was all over the pitch. You know, he was exhausted at some points, right? He had to like mark uh, the right side, the left side, you know, come back all the time. So he's running a lot, right? But what I saw was Bruno was kind of you know resistant, or I think Rangnick told him to track back a little bit less. Um, you know, at times his personality and and his will to defend is shown, so he'll come back. But you know, Bruno's was the center of the right zone. Sancho was the center of the left zone, and how the fullbacks were used was this like left triangle and right triangle, right? So Sancho's the main guy in the middle uh, on the left. And um, so a lot of playmaking went through him through the left. And so Tellus would make these underlapping runs and you would see one of Cristiano or Rash uh, kind of drift out wide, right? And on the other side, Dallas would overlap, less underlapping here, and Bruno would be the central. And same thing, Ronaldo or Rash would drift out wide. So basically you have a very balanced double attack on the right and left. You have Ronaldo and Rashford moving back and forth, and at all times, this is the key, at all times, there's one guy making a run behind, right? So this is what I mean by an, a very like systematic, balanced, yet interchangeable, adaptable, and you don't know where the threat's gonna come. They're pressing high, they're attacking, and when you have such a you know strong system and the players are motivated and the level is going up, you got to remember, like all these guys, even Fred, right? They're geniuses in, in terms of football, right? We just we just see them at such a high level that it's easy for us to critique, but they're all at the Premier League for a reason, right? And I think that this is going to help Ronaldo a lot. Like the service he's going to get and the amount of talent he has around now and under a, a great coach is is going to prove to be the difference in my opinion um again I I can't predict the FPL points but uh
2: this is why I'm kind of excited for them Mm. yeah really interesting analysis and and from from what you have said just puts in my mind that Man United could turn into playing in a similar sort of style to Man City where Mm -hmm. the points are maybe shared around a little bit more than they used to be and you're saying that players in behind maybe fernandez maybe sancho you've got rashford and ronaldo in the center even the players behind um ronaldo sorry uh, Rash- uh, sancho and fernandez might get in part of the points as well like fred did at the weekend so it's really interesting to monitor from uh like an investigative point of view yeah. like how this evolution will occur but yeah i think that analysis really spot on uh, from from the eye test it just certainly looked like the shots the chances created were coming from all over the pitch, not necessarily in one um, one consistent manner. So hopefully, because Ronaldo is the key man, that he benefits from this, but the only caveat is that maybe the points start getting shared around a little bit. That would be my only worry. But in terms of like team confidence, uh, team mobility, I, I'm excited and, and it's come at the right time ahead of a really good yeah. fixture run. So yeah. yeah. I-
1: I think cool. the last point, uh, Ted is, um, the, the guy that has to get better is McTominay. I, I thought, uh, Fred was okay. You know, he has that, he has that long ball in him, but McTominay needs to improve, uh, attacking wise and, and so, sort of help, help the right side in the right zone. I, I think a lot of the attacks going to come from the left, uh, which was even though he's Rangrick's trying to make him more balanced. Um, so I, I do see Luke Shaw excelling here, but. Uh, McTominay was covered by Dallow this game. I Dello did really, really well. Right. So I also see the potential in guys like, uh, you know, Sancho Lingard and Van de Beek doing really well because, you know, Van de Beek is a runner, he runs a lot and he covers a lot of space and same with Lingard as well. Um, you know, he, he runs a lot as well. So, uh, a lot of question marks and a lot of opportunities for these guys, but the, no doubt, the guy that's gonna be in the team and the team's gonna cater towards is Cristiano Ronaldo.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I mean, I think that the common consensus is if Man United want to really, really go to that next level, they need a world-class centre defensive midfielder. That's the key position. And I wonder whether they will go shopping in January for one. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned they might switch to three at the back slash five at the back. McTominay could drop out, leaving Fred as that CDM, and you have an extra uh, centre-back instead. So I think he he has options for the next... um, well, I mean, for the next few weeks, we see what happens. But yeah. Um but exciting times I mean at Man United yeah. and for us at FPL. Um yeah, Ronaldo's definitely on my radar, let's just say that. Nice. So let's park the Man United discussion there and uh, move to our second subject of the of the uh the video and talk about mid price midfielders. And I've kinda of cheated. I've kinda of cheated. <laughs> It's not really mid-priced. We've gone up to 11 million here just to accommodate the likes of Son uh, and Sterling, for example. So I've got this chart here, which is the usual one. It's small attempts across the bottom. That's the difficult chances created and shots. And then the big attempts, the easy shots and chances created across the top. So we've got Sterling and Gundogan setting the pace really for number of efforts. And um, they're equally good for big big attempts. Sterling is a really interesting one that I think the community might be uh, not really considering, but maybe there is a reason for that. He is fairly expensive, and if you're going to play Pep Roulette, why play with the most expensive, uh, apart from KDB, obviously. So we're going to talk about Man City Mids, definitely, uh, but let's just briefly scan uh, the rest of the, the graphic we've got. We've got Jota there, best for big attempts. I'm not sure that's too surprising. Um, and then Foden and Bowen uh, next to him with, with loads of big attempts not not so many small attempts so they're more with quality type of efforts rather than the quantity uh, and then contrastly we've got Rafinha, Ziyech, Trossard, uh, Dan James down the the bottom right hand side with lots of lots and lots of small attempts but not so good for the easy efforts which is I think is pretty intuitive certainly in, in terms of Rafinha's uh, example so yeah, what? What's your first impressions of that chart? What stands out to you, Andy?
1: Um, yeah, I like I like how Gundogan's there. Um, <laughs> you know, as a Gundogan owner, I um, you would. Yeah, I, I see I see Foden right up there in terms of big attempts as well. So that's nice to see. Um, Gallagher is kind of like in that middle area, and and Madison as well. So yeah, very interesting chart here. Um, Mount, wow, Mount is uh at the lower left hand.
2: A corner and uh, he did really well over the weekend so he did uh, what this what this is trying to evidence is which players mm-hmm. are perhaps overperforming, and mm-hmm. that overperformance is either a correlation to incredible technique incredible clinicalness or it's uh, an indication that they're probably not going to continue that level of returns and they're, they're just probably going to sink back to their um usual conversion rate for the stats that they're creating and maybe mount is in that category i mean he's super frustrating to own as an fpl asset because (laughs) it seems like all of his points come in massive explosions and um yeah i i I don't know i'm not i'm certainly not looking at mount just just from that basis and his stats need to improve from a from a big attempts perspective in order for for him to rival that of jota or gundwan or foden or bowen so yeah definitely not considering mount at the moment but yeah we definitely could consider the city mids and we can start with those guys um bernardo Silva isn't too far ahead of mason mount for example and a lot of people in the community are bringing in bernardo Silva, uh, and quite rightly he's he's been absolutely killing it recently loads and loads of goals i think it's like five goals in the last um few games i've got a I've got a chart for bernardo Silva. so i'll build it up here uh it's the same timeline thing as ronaldo We've got the, the last 10 games for Bernardo Silva. We've got the, the rolling XGI per 90 uh, at the bottom. And you can see it's pretty consistent from Bernardo Silva, but it's it's not increasing or, or sort of fluctuating in form as other players might would, which just shows his immense consistency uh, as a technical mm. player. But the bottom line is he is massively overperforming his returns versus... The xgi that he's creating in, in games now whether or not that is something to worry about is is another matter but whether or not that that return will regress to the norm i, I think he's still really good value for the money 7.6 7.5 something like that um, so i don't know i mean let's compare him to let's say gundawan we've got gundawan chart here you can see the massive fluctuations in that xgi at the bottom uh that might come from his limited game time he's he's missed a number of games this season and when he has played he really gets in the right positions and it that you're comparing apples and pears really with not and bernardo <laughs> silva because gunduan just gets in that position on the penalty spot and just slots the ball in whereas bernardo silva is a little more tricky gets into mm. a position shifts the ball and then puts a really technically uh, able shot past the goalkeeper in some way and so my my question to you is andy if you didn't have Gundogan right now which of those two would you pick because they're they're fundamentally different wow players. um
1: that's such a tough question um
2: you're basically picking between uh returns and consistency of attacking stats Right. But butt over performance compared with Gundawan, which is explosive stats. You, you, his XGI will just go from 0 to 60 if he gets these really big chances, which he's renowned for. And that is right. definitely evident here. You, just, you have that reliability that he's going to be in the right position more often than not. But it's going to be more volatile than necessarily Bernardo Silva. Yeah,
1: the thing about Bernardo Silva is... He, well, this is how i feel about him right now right there's this whole talk about him overperforming and he's going to he's going to lose it and and uh you know he's he's not going to continue the streak and this and that but every time i watch him play i feel like he's going to score like he he's just so good you know just just a, a magician on the ball right a, a pleasure to watch him play football and he's just one of those guys right now that it's just on fire right and so why? Why wouldn't you go for the guy on fire, right? Um, so I, I do see the case for bringing him now. Even you know, I, I don't think it's it's the wrong move. The reason why I was so high up on Gundogan for a while is, as I as I mentioned last week, is is the positions I started seeing him in, in the United game in game week nine, and since then he's been excellent. And let's not forget, uh, before his absence in the game uh, previous to this game week and two game weeks ago, he had a uh double-digit deter- return right so I was very I was very happy with how Gundogan performed I think I thought he could have you know got a goal I thought he could have got more some uh, some more attacking returns you know he was the more central one um it's so it's amazing the way Pep plays and and how they don't have like a like a Harry Kane type of striker you know it's just like it's just a bunch of ballers just running in into the box and <laughs> and you know it's just such a pleasure to watch man city play and, and so i don't think here there's a right answer here i'm very happy keeping gundagan i think he's gonna do well and um yeah I, I, I think uh if you had to pick between the two Gundogan.
2: <laughs> definitely some bias there let's mm-hmm. go let's go back to the chart and i mean what you were saying is sort of part and, part and parcel of the problem we have at man city and it's just the the wealth of options yeah, we have exactly they're going to share points part of me wants to have a piece of that pie in some way but there's no really effective way of getting all the points you're going to have to suffer a little bit of rotation maybe now and then and yep. maybe one game your player doesn't get any points and everyone else has like goals and assists but if you want to buy a ticket to the lottery you know be my guest. I mean, there's so what? There's five city players here: Sterling, Gundogan, Grealish, Silva, and Foden. Uh, we're not mentioning Mares. We're not mentioning KDB when he's back. Um, just so many other options. So it, it's really tricky. I think Gundogan seems like a really good option in terms of the stats, uh, and Bernardo Silva is really, really good in terms of term of the form. And I, I guess we can compare Bernardo Silva to the likes of Rafinha. Rafinha is technically so, so good. But he doesn't necessarily get in the positions that the likes of Jota and Gundogan do. So I don't think there's a right and wrong answer here. It's just really personal preference about what you can afford or what you rate as an FPL manager, like whether you rate ability or technical ability or whether you rate positioning. And that's just your choice to make.
1: Um, yeah, I, I... I think so, if you don't mind, I can add two quick points here. Um, so on, on Scoutcast last week, I, I did kind of a December crunch research of Man City over the last two seasons. And without getting too much into the numbers, basically it, it 1920 season in December over seven games they had 17 goals. And the highest scoring guy had four goals, followed by three goals, and another guy had three goals. So it just goes to show how spread out the goals are at Man City. It's very hard to predict who's going to score. Um, so the abundance theory, again, comes to mind in how much of the, the pie do you want? Do you want one guy and, and take the take the chances, or do you want to get two guys in and, and try to take a little bit bigger of the pie? Um, there's always the caveat that one guy goes crazy like Bernardo Silva and scores every game. Um, you just never know, right? And the second point I want to make is that people are talking about the effect of KDB that might have on Gundogan. I actually think that Gundogan plays better with KDB, maybe historically not so much, but at least that United game, which is the most recent game I saw both of them play, there were both inter, you know, over inter, what's it called, interchanging runs into the zone, and you know, piercing runs. Uh, I I think that KDB makes them better. They, they they're another guy that they have to worry about, you know. So, uh, sure. what a plethora of attacking assets that City have.
2: I think KDB also offers a really big complication from for, for Bernardo Silver owners. Um, mm. And I, let me explain myself when he comes back in and let's say he plays with Gundogan with like Rodri in that center defensive midfielder position, Bernardo Silva is used to playing that false nine. He's used to playing in that right wing role, but the right wing role is now mm. pretty um, like full of options like Mares, Sterling yeah. played there at the weekend and um, Jesus has sort of made his own in that position um so maybe he moves into that false nine but then it has a knock-on effect on the left-hand side where Foden is maybe competing with Grealish for that left wing position so it's really really difficult to digest about (laughs) whether we're going to get a consistent team at at Man City over the Christmas period my guess would be no and you have to stomach a few um benchings at some point regardless of who it is one player we haven't talked about is Foden and um we can see all this chart, he's really, really good for the big attempts. Um, he has had a couple of games missing. He's been injured, um, but not so much for the small assists, small attempts. But I have got a chart here, so I'm going to bring up the timeline for him. Um, so we're just more specifically looking at the stats here at the bottom. He had a little bit of a dip in the XGI per 90 rolling average, but in the last game, that massively spiked. So he was mm. super good in the statistical department. But what you can notice is that him being on the left wing, not being in that false nine position, I think the last time he was playing there was in uh, game week nine, potentially, when he scored that two goals and assists against Brighton. You can see that sort of um, aquamarine blue at the bottom there for against Brighton was, was super high. That means his goal threat was really, really good, his XG. Since then, since he's moved to the left, the orange bars have become more than the xgs the xa has become more than the xg and that is basically just a shift in his points potential towards assists rather hmm. than goals uh, if you if you don't mind that then that's absolutely fine you can see that he's still got a bit of an xg in that last match against Watford so I don't think it's that much of an issue um that spike in the xG per 90 is his minutes adjusted, so he only got 75 minutes. The last two games he didn't play, and he only played 58 minutes against Everton. So that's why it's spiked. Definitely mm. one to monitor. But if you want someone that you think is going to score regular goals for so that City side, maybe I would option for, opt for maybe like Gundogan or maybe Bernardo Silva or, or Sterling or whoever. I'm not sure Foden is that main goal scorer anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think also, by the way, Foden was... A couple of finishes away from getting a haul you know so uh, if you have Foden you should be very happy uh, I, I'm very scared of being a non-Foden owner
2: it's it's yeah it's just it's just the same dilemma isn't it that mm-hmm. we know what a quality player he is it just it just matters totally on the positions he takes up on the pitch like he could have got mm-hmm. a few more assists if Grealish had managed to convert some of his um extra exactly. chances yep. mm-hmm. yeah so I think he's a great option I think all the city options are great options. <laughs> yeah, as you're saying, the abundance Series is just like too much to think about, and I don't own any city mids, so that kind of scares me. Um, but fingers crossed that rotation and spread of points keeps my rank to a <laughs> an okay level. Yeah. Um, just want to just touch the last person city player, Sterling. Um, obviously, really good here, and I think if you wanted to take a bit of a um a cautious approach on let's say the united assets sterling could be a good two or three week punt if you really wanted to spend you know, use him as a cash cow to upgrade to ronaldo when you eventually want to do that um but no one owns sterling and he's been amongst the goals and assists recently so it could be a little bit of a left field punt if you want to uh to go for that but enough about city i think we talked too much about them um and echoed what the community probably already think um, the last two people I kind of want to talk about is um Jared Bowen and this is your man at the weekend, your hero, your game week 15 hero he <laughs> he's definitely someone on my radar because as we saw in the fixture ticker, West Ham's fixtures are absolutely fan- fantastic, similar to to United and um I'm looking to bring Bowen in uh, ahead of a city asset because he's just that bit cheaper and I can't really afford the city city guys. But what, what impressed you um about his performance at Chelsea? I'm I'm gonna bring up his timeline now. Um just before we ask you. He he's been really, really consistent with his returns over the last ten ten game weeks and his XGI uh rolling average has been uh pretty decent. Um his XG's been pretty good in the last two games for sure, but that really good run of fixtures is definitely going to increase that so what what impressed you about his performance at Chelsea obviously other than the attacking returns
1: I mean look before before this game week his underlying stats were pretty good you know uh he was showing good signs and uh I think a lot of people bookmarked game week 16 to bring in Bowen um you know possibly Antonio as well if you're not a non-owner and a lot of people stuck with Antonio till now and I guess you just have to ride with him uh but For me i didn't have antonio i I was one of the lucky guys to drop off off antonio and as much as people are disappointed with antonio i I thought he could have got some returns here and there um but because i don't don't have antonio bowen was always on my mind and the underlying stats were always confirmation bias in that okay like this is the guy i need to go for because it's not easy to get to antonio with with his price point i'm i'm grateful he's dropping but um bowen at his price point for how high he was playing and how good he looked it's it's a no brainer i i think you know he his goal was like some people say it was lucky but i thought it was a great goal right like great finish i think he had one more chance towards the end where you know just a couple feet to the right and it could have gone in um so
2: classic fpl where
1: you you're greedy for more goals but uh, i'm that, very that was very the excited one- that was the
2: one where antonio crossed it across the face of goal when he was yeah. like that yeah. far away from slotting it in um exactly. really unlucky mm. for you yeah uh, <laughs> but obviously yeah. good in terms of his positioning absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i mean obviously his return rate is is pretty decent uh, i think if you look at his stats and maybe the last four or five games they have sort of been fairly uh conservative but we can sort of caveat that by saying he's played liverpool and city exactly um, obviously got that the liverpool game they scored three goals and he got two assists from them but the way liverpool play he's likely not going to have too many attacking stats to shout about in those games but i mean talk about brighton and wolves they've been really solid they may be a green fixture difficulty but they both have qualities that really uh you know able to dominate the game control the game with possession style football uh, and just be really difficult to break down. So I don't think we have to worry too much about that uh, depletion in the attacking stats in the last four or five game weeks. You can see maybe um, in the first five, maybe game week six to game week 10, where the fixture fixture difficulty is lesser. Spurs and Everson weren't exactly solid at the back at that time. You can see that those stats were were pretty good. So I fully expect to see his XG, his, his XA returned to uh, a fairly decent level in this in this, uh, fixture nice. run. So I think that's hopefully music to your ears and maybe music to my ears if I end up bringing him in. I think I probably will. You to need to. <laughs> <laughs> so one last um, factor to talk about here is, certainly from my perspective, I have Son Hyung min and Ooh. I need well I don't need I'm talking about moving him on to Cristiano Ronaldo with with a shift in obviously Uh, I've got two free transfers so I can do that but a lot of people in the community talking about including yourself Andy would I move Son on in such good form Um, playing for a Spurs team that have been scoring a fair few goals in the last few game weeks but you can see here his attacking stats when you compare maybe to other players uh, of a cheaper price aren't that comparable and i know son typically doesn't need the stats to be able to get the points because he's uber uber clinical we've seen this in previous years Uh, and that's what he's starting to do um, at spurs but you know he's not going to get at a crazy amount of chances um so i just thought it was interesting just to just to compare him here to the other mids and i go if i can justify selling him for ronaldo maybe I'm not going to get punished too much, especially with Ronaldo's (laughs) fixtures. Just to maybe just put some perspective here, if Ronaldo was on this chart, he would be between Bowen and Grealish. So in terms of the stats, he's definitely got better stats than than Son. Son's probably conversion and and, and goal goal returns um, is a little bit better than Ronaldo's in the last couple of weeks, obviously. But yeah, what do you make of me potentially selling Son for Ronaldo? Do you think it might be a mistake?
1: I think so. I think so. Um, oh, no. I, I, look, I, there's bias in, in my, my, you know, perspective of Sun, you know, j- obviously because I'm Korean, as well as, you know, the handle of FPL Synaldo, so So uh, there's inherently some bias, but you know, Sun on this graph, I love, I love this graph, Ted, but Sun is the one guy you have to just erase off any, any statistical statistical graph, because, he's done this for years like three four five years where xgi xg everything's low but he continues to deliver he continues consistently to deliver and just off the eye test he looks so good you know this is what he does he just goes on these runs where he finds a like kind of a moment of form and he'll go crazy and score like seven goal or have seven returns in like four games. Right. I I mean, I literally looked at the last three, four years or five years of his career and he had about, I think it was 17 back to back like goals. Um, so I don't know if that's a lot, but you know, he has that consistency, um, seems a lot, <laughs> yeah, it seems a lot. Right. And he doesn't really score a lot in one game. Like usually it's one goal, but he, he has all these games where he does one goal, one assist, for example, and in FPL terms, that's huge. I think he already has three double digit returns this year. And that's under Nuno where they were struggling and they had that purple patch. Why, why would you sell him? You know, like, well, I don't know, like, you know, this is how far I went, I, I have the easy move to go from Kane to Ronaldo or keep Kane this week against Brighton and with their depleted defense. Um, but I just don't trust Kane anymore, right? But I was thinking about ways to bring in Sun. Maybe I just like have to give up and and forget Ronaldo and, and try to go for Sun. That's how far, that's how highly I rate Sun, Sun's form right now. And you know, worst case scenario, you drop him after one or two weeks and buys you more time to really view Man United assets. With that being said, the way I I like to play this game is to try to predict, uh, uh, try to look at the fixtures ahead. And I really think that the West Ham and City, as well as especially United assets are going to be emerging template uh, options. So it'll be important to drop, uh, you know, try to jump on them early, which is why I'm, I'm very bullish on you trying to get Bowen, uh, Ted. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I mean, you could equally say that about Son Ronaldo. Um, like yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You, exactly. You make some really good points there, 100 mm. um, percent. I'm not sure I'm completely swayed though, and th- this is my reasoning, mm. that the main caveat with Son's recent returns is that he was playing against Brentford and Norwich. Mm. Before that, in the Leeds game, I remember sitting here with you going, "I'm worried for Son." He did not play yeah, yeah, well yeah, in that sure. game. He did not play well <laughs> in that game. So I think fixtures can definitely get the best out of a player for sure. Yep. Um, uh, his fixtures coming up, Brighton. Yes, I know that they've got a few defenders missing potentially, but I think Brighton still play in a way which they're, they're going to control the game a little bit more. So um, he he could he could do something. Was it Southampton? or Was it Brighton that he scored four goals last season or the previous season?
1: Southampton might be
2: southampton um but southampton and brighton are fairly equivalent in terms of they they play in a similar style possession football um slow build up and um not many big chances or anything but again they control the game to a certain extent uh so son could punish brighton if they play with a high line but again it's i imagine that they would give spurs a little bit more of a tough time than brentford or norwich would uh, but after that, Leicester, Liverpool, Palace, who are definitely no mugs, and then uh, Southampton. So I don't think their fixture run is as good or okay as people think. Um, I, I Compare that to the Man United run, which is what? Norwich, Brentford, the same two that Son have just played. Brighton, Newcastle, bottom of the table, and Burnley, uh, struggling as well. So those five, compared to those five for Spurs, God, I, I, I'm gonna have to move to Ronaldo. I, it's a preemptive transfer, and it feels strange transferring out someone that's just done so well for me. Like I, I feel like I'm betraying my own player, like just cutting and run with his points. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it just seems logical to me, and I, I, I may, I may be silly. I may be silly for it in the end. Going, why did I do it? But if, it seems a logical transfer for me.
1: Sorry. No, I'm glad I'm glad we have two perspectives here because l- let's say we're both son owners which I'm not but the fact that you're thinking that the logical move is to get to Ronaldo whereas I'm thinking why would you sell the guy in form and the guy that for example non-owners want um I hope you think through it a little bit more
2: Ted. <laughs> <laughs> word of warning oh goodness me yeah i'm definitely going to agonize over that transfer but um mm. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll come to our uh, transfers at the end of the video we've got got one last chart to to go through um did you have something to say before we did that and
1: why not just keep him for one more game you know he just he just performed right right like because i know it's norwich it's i know norwich. it's cristiano <laughs> I, I know, but I, I just think that Sun's gonna score. I, I guarantee he's gonna Okay. I gotta be careful here. I gotta be very careful here. Oh, I'm God. convinced he's gonna score this game. These yeah. are
2: these are horrible, horrible sound bites for any sort of future thing that's gonna come back and hit yeah, me. Yeah,
1: it's gonna come back to haunt me. By the way, I, I texted a, a Korean friend uh, today, um, shout out Steven and I told him like, Hey, what do you think about Sun right now? Do you think uh do you think he's gonna do well against Brighton? And his reply was I think he's going to score every game. I believe he scores every game. <laughs> so if you need more bias, here you go.
2: <laughs> that was definitely not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> OK, let's transition to the, uh, the last slide, which is, well, before we get to our teams, which is the shot map. And this is just for the same group of players, uh, midfielders, 11 million and under. Um, so we've got average shot distance, how typically they shoot, um, Far away from goal we've got bernardo silva gundawan and jota there at the top shooting the closest to goal uh, around those players we've got their shot uh, distribution which is green for um, goals with the white border uh, and then green without the border is the shots on target uh we've got yellow for shots blocked and red for shots off target and then under their name is the total amount of shots that they've had in the last six game weeks so Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and Jota. It doesn't surprise me, to be fair, because most people are, you know, pretty keen on owning some or all of those players. What does interest me, though, is the shot distribution. And you can definitely tell the type of player um, from that distribution. And the, the conversion, like, look at Jota. Yeah, con- yeah, first thing I noticed. <laughs> it just it, It's just obviously crazy, but yeah you know that we can we know that he can miss from like six yards without a goalkeeper so i mean there is that but jota jota's xg is like more than double of any of these other players just 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 shows that he's shooting from literally like six yards out um gonna doesn't really matter how good his technique is as long as you just hit it towards target and it's probably going to go in because it's a high probability of each shot going in you can see that from his conversion like what is that like an 80 percent conversion rate for the shots on target he's had a lot of shots off target which is obviously worrying but regardless you're still going to own him because he just sits at the penalty spot and just taps in every delicious cross that salah or trent alexander Arnold um gives him the interesting one is the city city boys you've got bernardo silva who's had like the majority of his nine shots on target which just shows the the technical ability of the player, but he's also converting a lot of them. And Mm. that kind of is counterintuitive for me, because even though he's shooting close to goal, I'm not sure that he's shooting from like the penalty spot. He's Mm. shooting more from maybe the sides. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, maybe that's likely to um, die down a little bit in terms of his conversion. So I don't know. Obviously you could interpret it different ways, but, I think it just evidences you've got Gundogan who's also shooting from basically the penalty spot but his conversion's pretty poor. So I don't know what's going on there, but there's a definitely a disparity between the two players. Um, so what else do we have on here? Sterling. Yeah, we've talked about Sterling and how, how much he how much he is compared to his compatriots at City. If you want a, a couple 2 to 3 game week punt then then why not? His conversion seems to be okay dan james having the most shots out of any player on this (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of weird isn't it because why is dan james having so many shots but it just you just know that he's just less of an option than rafinha so why why go Mm. for dan james but i mean clearly he's he's really trying a lot to get get shots off clearly um let's talk about son again we've got there he him between the 14 16 yard area massive conversion on the shots on target but plenty off target and um and shots blocked as well so we know that he's clinical but that green section probably only corresponds to maybe what two three four shots and um three of those have gone in so definitely a supportive element to my saying son. <laughs> also uh, like well, if I can defend
1: uh keep defending. No, go him, for but it. Go for it. If it. I can defend him previous to I think this game or the pre like maybe maybe for before the last two games, because this is taking into account six game weeks, right? I think he had zero shots for like three or four games in a row. Um so this is a pretty clustered um 10 shots, I think. Yeah. Okay. And and I'd be very interested to know what Bowen's where bowen would be just based on last game week instead of uh um, the previous six um so yeah curious on that too but interesting
2: mm. yeah 100 percent. i think he obviously had the shot off target when antonio uh fed him but obviously that tells a different story when you think about yeah, it contextually yeah. so maybe a little bit harsh on bowen obviously plenty of shots off target uh but as we talked about the previous five or six game weeks he had some difficult opposition maybe got frustrated a few times and and shot from you know uh, at the edge of the box and um that's more likely to be a shot off target to a certain extent mm-hmm. i don't think there's anything that here that suggests that bowen is going to be uh, a bad asset i mean the fact that he's what four fourth in for total number of shots here is pretty encouraging nice. uh number of shots on target is is decent so i think he's going to provide plenty of value for money um the interesting thing is i remember when i was talking to you um on deadline stream about my potential transfer for next week and i was kind of set on madison and it's just amazing <laughs> how quickly a point of view could change and i said yeah. to you on that stream i know that he's going to be some sort of trap i know that he's the that type of player that shoots from the edge of the box it's good. he's gonna get like two or three game weeks worth of form and then he's just gonna he's gonna die away again and i yeah. kind of kind of really i'm happy that he didn't have a really good game uh, against Aston Villa because it would have put a question in my mind. Yeah. Um about going maybe Madison over Bowen, but I think Bowen is just the obvious option in that 6.4 to 6.7 price bracket. If you've got a little bit extra, I would probably maybe go for a sit- City mid maybe. What would what's your thoughts on that Andy? If you if you had the money to go for Bernardo Silva or Gündoğan and you didn't own Bowen, would you prioritize the City boys over Bowen?
1: Oh, wow. Tough question. Um, I think so. I think you want one of the city assets, um, just to, if anything, it's, it's just a defensive strategy, um, because they're, they're, they're going to score. Um, and you just want to take a little bit, bit of that pie. Hopefully you, you take the biggest piece of the pie. Um, and that's where, that's where your different differential gains will be worst case scenario you want i think all of them are going to score right all of them are going to be involved in attacking plays so you you do want to have one of them at least so I, I would prioritize that but again bowen is just a good of an option i mean he's playing so good he's like the main guy playing with basically a striker role um so you know this is the classic like talisman type of debate like which which type of player do you want and why not, why not one of each, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I definitely want one of each at some point. Sadly, I can't quite get there in terms of price points, so I'm going to have to downgrade someone else somewhere to be able to upgrade the likes of Rafinha to a City mm. mid. Uh, we've got Rafinha here. Obviously, we don't really need to say anything about Rafinha. He's awesome um, and technically just one of the best players in the Premier League, in my opinion. Uh, but he's got a tough run of fixtures coming up where he plays um, City chelsea liverpool arsenal in the next four that wasn't the right order but a really tough run of fixtures so he'll be first bench for me sadly um but yeah definitely want to get bowen and a city mid um but yeah i, I think maybe if you own antonio you don't necessarily need to prioritize bowen for this run of fixtures op- op- opposed to a city mid but it definitely depends on your own team structure let's just say that so speaking of teams let's go on and look at andy's game week 16 Uh, bus team with uh, your potential transfers so talk us through it
1: again um this is very temporary um i think the the price change was going to have an effect on me but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let it sway me anymore i'm gonna wait and i'm just gonna play it out this week and things happen all the time during the Champions League. So who knows what's going to happen? Plus more eye test on United assets. So um, for me, I think it's Kane to Ronaldo and most likely Huang to Joshua King. I do think that one of King and Dennis is going to be a template. Again, the whole idea for me is to move towards the new template. What is a new template? I have no idea, right? But you can assume that the guys with the good fixtures are going to be very popular picks. Bowen is already there, which is why I brought him in already. It saves me a transfer and a hit. I was thinking about Son. I, I, I just was thinking about him all day long, trying to figure out a way to bring him in, but it's too much of a restructure. That Ronaldo versus Norwich looks beautiful. You know, I, This is the one. This is the time. All the pain that Harry Kane has given me, sweet, you know, Cristiano finally <laughs> delivers, you know, that that's, that's kind of what I want to feel this weekend. So hopefully it happens. Um, but pretty, pretty straightforward, uh, swaps for me. I've had two free transfers for the longest time and I'm ready to use it. Um, I think after that, I'll keep my eyes open. You know, I do have enough of a bench to just leave Tony in there. I'm thinking about Alonzo to Ben Davis, possibly to create some funds elsewhere with I
2: saw your mm. thread on Ben Davis. It was pretty interesting yeah, yeah. about mm-hmm. how Conte's system basically encourages that that um, left sided centre yeah. back to uh, support the left wing back, whether it's Reguilon or whether it's Cessinon um, when he came on. Really interesting, and obviously he got two assists at uh, two assists at the weekend. So uh,
1: the last but- thing I'll say, Ted, is the reason why I'm thinking about dropping Alonso. I'll keep him. He might he might come good this game, right? He might show some good progress and and maybe return this week. But one of the reasons is because the glaring hole in my future template may be Antonio. I'm I'm afraid Antonio comes to life, and um, I may want to double up on Bowen and Antonio as well as another emerging United asset elsewhere that we just don't know about yet. So I need to keep it flexible stay open to changes, move when I need to move, but have the core pieces intact. Um, so that's kind of the game plan and the long-term strategy I'm thinking of.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Alonso seems like the weak link in that defense. I, I think mm-hmm. he, he's his positioning is obviously as good as it ever was. He just likes to get in the box as, as much as possible. He plays the ball off on that left left side and then tries to get forward really really good positioning hasn't quite worked for him in the last few weeks um but there's always potential that the ball just falls for him in the box um i i saw him at the weekend making loads of runs maybe to that like as a striker some of the balls yeah, came across yeah. the front of the goal and he was there so we never know i think Alonso still probably has a return in him yeah in the definitely. next few weeks but i completely understand your your um team structure Uh, dilemmas where you need to facilitate a move to a key player like Antonio you expect is going to get a fixture bounce Uh, it's very similar in my my respect that I had the same idea about moving Alonso on or I mean I could move Livramento down to a 3.8 but then the bench becomes super weak Um, my hole is I don't have a city mid and I kind of want to move Rafinha up to a city mid uh, whether it's gunduan or, or whoever so it's interesting that we have the same dilemma but con- slightly contrasting um I, I already have antonio you have a city mid so we have a real danger here of our team becoming the same and i think oh, that please you're... please
1: I, I like it <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you're trying to make me keep son so you can have ronaldo all to yourself i know <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no no nice. I, I really believe you should keep sun I, I truly believe so yeah well we can definitely come back to this and you can say mm. i told you so but i i really i can't see that i'm gonna do it i don't know i'm i'm suit i'm being really stubborn about this for some reason potentially that's really bad but um yeah i can't see myself not going with ronaldo for norwich norwich away but yeah i, I think your team's really well set up um josh king's a really good bench enabler
1: yeah definitely um,
2: What's your future plan with Tony? Is does he is he the man that potentially becomes Antonio? Yeah, Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So Brentford's fixtures are are okay at the moment, so I don't think there's too much of a rush.
1: Yeah, I have a uh, I have quite a bit in the bank. I think I have a zero point seven possibly. I I, sorry, I can't remember exactly, but which is why the Alonzo move allows me from Tony to Antonio easily. So, um, yeah.
2: One one thing we're not talking about really is is whether tony's COVID issues will present a future a future issue about whether he actually plays at watford or misses the next two games uh, we don't know what yeah so it's definitely something to keep an eye on if you own tony um if you're in if you're watching the video in the chat so i mean tony against watford is on paper a fantastic fixture but ugh, keep an eye on it I'd
1: yeah I, it, honestly if he doesn't play this week it doesn't matter because i have king coming on livermento covering so it's fine mm
2: good stuff yeah josh king absolutely fantastic runner fixtures too uh, and he can be really good for any rotation that you might um encounter so let oh yeah um the last thing i want to talk about actually is there is now a question about captaincy in my opinion there's oh, a, wow. a question there's a question that doesn't mean to say that you know uh everyone's going to captain ronaldo but i think most people will continue to captain salah but at least you've got a premium player with a with a new manager bounce playing arguably one of the worst teams in the league is there any glimmer of of wavering capturing captaining salah
1: look if that asked ask first of all aston villa look good you know um or they look better under Gerard. So. Uh, Watkins is definitely an option. Um, Although he had a very frustrating game, I feel like he may become an option. Uh, The home game is the reason why it's very, very hard to take the band off Salah. Um, I mean, regardless whether it's home or away, you have to be super brave to go against Salah. And kudos to those guys, that captain's son over the weekend. Like, you know, really shout out to you guys. Um, I've had the pain of ted you know what happened was i captained kane when salah hauled versus united which is my which is why my rank is you know it's good but it's as high as it could have been way
2: better right i remember that well that was when chelsea were playing norwich and lukaku got injured at the last minute wasn't yeah it? yeah
1: yeah which is where i had lukaku in and i was gonna captain lukaku and then he got i had lukaku and werner in that week and both got injured which is why I shifted to Kane and I don't know what I was thinking but I just captained him and I can't even remember who they play um but it was like one of those like maybe United can stop Salah kind of you know th- temporary thoughts that I had and I went for it and I remember like it was super super late so I I woke up the next morning and I was on a huge green arrow like really big green arrow and then I saw it and I I I went on a 100k red arrow because of that so that that's lingering in the back of my head and i'm just too scared to go against salah anymore so for now i'm just keeping it on salah
0: Mm.
2: i completely um empathize with the way that you're thinking and uh, Mm. (laughs) it's really annoying because you have to be so strong when you're when you're thinking about effective ownership and part of me goes that is not the optimal way of thinking about captaincy the of this isn't an ideal world by the way when things work out in a one game game week sample size captaining salah just because of the effective ownership for me is not the optimal reason to do it we have to captain him because we think he's going to get the most points and obviously that says you know that that's obvious but aston villa yeah you said that they look good and liverpool are fresh off the back of a frustrating game against wolves it's kind of like a marriage of convenience for oh, opening no. an element of doubt in our heads about, <laughs> um, about maybe Salah getting two or three goals. I, oh, he's definitely going to go and unpunish um, any sort yeah. of negative thoughts about um, his ability. But you cannot deny that this man is on fire. He's, he's scoring yeah. and assisting just every single game week. And that's what you want from a captain. Regardless of posi- of, of opposition, you know he's probably going to get a return. So I, I'm i just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not actually thinking about captaining Ronaldo. But for those maybe who want to throw caution to the wind, I don't think Ronaldo is like the worst option compared to Salah. I think that gap is definitely smaller this week. But yeah, very, very brave. He, I
1: think he may be a great option to captain this week. You know, so... I haven't I haven't decided on anything yet, so most likely Salah, but we'll see. Maybe the Champions League is a good sign of like, oh crap, maybe Ronaldo's about to <laughs> to go off, you know. And also, guys, just to clarify, I, I did Huang to King because Huang is a, a a big issue in my team, but um, I, it was pretty pretty quick. So I I haven't made these moves yet. Um, it's just your graphic, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah i i might just do tony to king instead um just to clarify guys
2: mm. okay yeah completely fair enough yeah i would probably sell huang if i was in the same situation but if tony is definitely confirmed out a lot of people yeah. saying in the chat that he's definitely out for the next week or so then obviously he becomes your priority so yeah completely fair play um let's finish off by looking at my team um it's not too different uh, to yours my um anticipated transfers i haven't made these either are um Ronaldo in for Tony and Son out for Bowen. So I think that's Ooh. a pretty it's a pretty decent set of, of transfers if Son doesn't completely punish me. But um so my equivalent to your team is Rafinha would be that City mid, but he goes to my first bench because of his poor run of fixtures and I would actually play Josh King for the foreseeable a few game weeks uh with his good fixtures against Brentford but again a sea of blue fixture difficulty I think this is really good period for um a lot of the key players in FPL to get a fixture bounce and um it's pretty encouraging that double up at West Ham Bowen and Antonio would become pretty exciting for me what a team Ted I love it (laughs) it's not too different from yours the only difference is um is you've got a city mid and Mm. I mean that's the only difference, really. City mid over Rafinha, and I have Antonio over maybe your uh, Tony or Josh King or, or whoever you bring in in that respect. But it's kind of similar. I, I just I can't miss out on this Ronaldo fixture boost. I, I can't. I'm going to yeah. cut and run with Son, I think. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. I, you know, I, I didn't realize that the moves were Tony out and Bowen in and Son in Ronaldo. You know, if you think of it from like a like for like one for one, it kind of thing, then, then I guess I would convince you to keep sun. But the fact that it's more of a two, two good transfers versus you know, one good asset, I think, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can see the reason here. I, I, I think you're ahead of the curve here. I really think you have a, a great team except the city asset, which again, it it might not haunt you too badly because of how spread those goals are, you know, like if Antonio can, can deliver the goods, like he'll cover for that. So I, I do see the merits here. Yeah.
2: yeah I, I like it. Thank you. I, I I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. As you say, the big hole is the city mid and my big hope is just the points get spread, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to worry about watching city from now on because uh, they're going to be, pretty hotly owned assets oh you can't um, watch those games anymore yeah it gets terrible so <laughs> i'll just prioritize watching west ham games from now on <laughs> but yeah um i couldn't afford the city mid with i could go city over over bowen but i only have 6.7 to spend in that um midfield spot bowen is 6.4 leaves me 0.3 in the bank to maybe try and upgrade venia in the future i think i need an extra 0.3 or 0.4 to afford um mm. gunduan so as i said either it's an alonso downgrade or i get rid of Livramento for i don't know some fodder which makes the bench a little bit weak so i'm not 100 whether i'll actually do that but if i can upgrade rafinha to a city mid and bench josh king as as first bench then that becomes a pretty pretty solid team so yeah we will see what happens but yeah pretty happy with that that set of transfers um, hopefully, Son doesn't punish me as you <laughs> have warned me in the last few weeks for a few moments. So, yeah, fingers crossed. I'm pretty set on these. To be fair, wait, Ted, how much money do you have in the bank? Point uh, three.
1: So <sighs> yeah, I would R- say Rafinha to Gundo, if possible.
2: Yeah, that, that's my plan. But uh, Rafinha, yeah. I can sell for six point seven. So point three it breaks it up to seven, and I think yeah. Gundo's like seven three, seven four, something like yeah, that. Yeah, seven three, so, I think. Mm. So I can definitely prioritize that for maybe future transfers but i yep. think in the meantime this is the most sensible one but yeah yeah cool um i think we'll leave the stream there uh really good chat on man united and um mid price midfielders if you can call it that There's a lot to think about this game week hopefully that was helpful to everyone watching uh in the chat do leave the video a like or a subscribe to the channel if you if you're not if you're new around here that would really help out the views uh, and leave a comment about what you're doing in your team that would be um really interesting to see whether you're doing something me and andy are both doing or going against the grain thank you very much for joining me andy it has been a pleasure as always
1: same here same here i, I loved uh you know i love talking to you and uh you know ted uh, ted is one of the nicest guys i know so do give him <laughs> a follow on twitter and uh yeah i appreciate it uh ted
2: that's very kind mate um I, i'm a drama queen off screen i can i can assure you oh. <laughs> 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 no, all good. Okay. Right, we'll say goodbye. Thanks all for joining us and best of luck in gaming.